Uh, do any of you have a uh, a teenager uh, who is a bad driver? Uh, Tanya raised her hand for sure. A couple of them, yeah, yeah. Some of you don't want to raise your hands. Maybe you're thinking, well, my wife or my husband. But uh, my daughter, Crystal, uh, was, well, let me just I still think she is. Uh, she was the worst driver as a teenager. Uh, and the, the worst part of it is she didn't realize that she was a bad driver. Let me go through some of the things that she did. She, I had a little escort, and she put it in the ditch one day. Uh, called me up and said, hey, Dad, or actually someone brought her to the house. Hey, can you get my car, get your car out of the ditch, Dad? Uh, she was driving down a gravel road, and I said, Crystal, what happened? She said, I don't know, Dad. I wasn't going very fast. I said, well, how fast were you going? Now, this is a gravel road that's got a lot of loose gravel on it. It's not one of these that are packed down. I was only going 55, and uh, she, she, she backed into our garage door uh, with it shut and closed. She actually done that as an adult uh, after she got married. Uh, she backed into a pole that's behind our, our garage. Uh, she, she laid a car over in a ditch. She is just a, <laughs> a, a terrible driver. When she was, uh, I think it was about 17, she was a junior in high school, between her junior and senior year, she worked at Worlds of Fun. And uh, she was heading to work one day, and I told her, Crystal, as, as she just left, it just started to rain, and the roads were starting to get slick. And I told her, Crystal, the roads are going to be real slick. Take it easy. Be real careful because the roads right with us first starts raining are the worst. I got a call about 15 minutes later from a friend of ours saying that she had, had put the car in a, a ditch and wrapped it around a, around a tree, but was able to drive out and go to, uh, drive to his house. So I, I went over, uh, and, and the car was caved in on one side. I went up the door and as, as the door opened, there was my daughter, tears streaming down her face. Man, it was an awkward moment for her because I just told her, Crystal, be careful. We're going to look this morning, we're going to look at, at uh, the life of Peter or, or an event from the life of Peter that was at the very least awkward. In, in fact, th- there are a couple awkward moments together. Uh, one of them that, that really, uh, I think Peter probably looked past and didn't catch the other one, when it happened, really was obvious that it was awkward. If you have your Bibles, turn to the Gospel of Luke. Luke chapter 22 is where we're going to be this morning. Uh, this all takes place right before Jesus uh, is, uh, or starts to take place right before he's arrested, and then finishes up after he was arrested and was on trial. So if you have your Bibles, Luke chapter 22, let me read two different sections. One is verse 31 to 34. There it says this, Simon, Simon, he's talking to Simon Peter, Simon, Simon, Satan has asked to sift you as wheat, but I have prayed for you, Simon, that your faith may not fail. And when you have turned back, strengthen your brothers. But he replied, Lord, I'm ready to go with you to prison and to death. Verse 34, Jesus answered, I tell you, Peter, before the rooster crows today, you will deny me three times that you know me. And then, then look over in chapter 22. This is kind of the fulfillment of that, starting with verse 54. Then seizing him, they led him away, talking about Jesus, and took him into the house of the high priest. Peter followed at a distance. But when they had kindled a fire in the middle of the courtyard and had sat down together, Peter sat down with them. A servant girl saw him seated there in the firelight. She looked closely at him and said, This man was with them. But he denied it. Woman, I don't know him, he said. A little later, someone else saw him and, and said, 
You also are one of them. Man, I am not, Peter replied. About an hour later, another asserted, Certainly this fellow was with him, for he is a Galilean. Peter replied, Man, I don't know what you're talking about. Just as he was speaking, the rooster crowed. The Lord turned and looked straight at Peter. Then Peter remembered the word of the Lord had spoken to him. Before the rooster, rooster crows, three, uh, crows today, you will deny me three times. And he went outside and wept bitterly. This is a tragic story, a tragic story of betrayal. Peter was one of the twelve apostles. The, the twelve apostles were, were twelve guys that Jesus had handpicked, not because they were qualified. Actually, he picked them because they were uniquely unqualified to be his followers. There were fishermen, there were tax collectors, there were guys that were religious zealots and, and, and kind, of, kind of freaks. There were all kinds of people. None of them really qualified to be what you would have thought to be uh, an apostle of Jesus. But he picked these 12. So, G, so Peter was part of that, that group of 12 that for three years traveled with Jesus day and night. With him constantly, Jesus trained them and he taught them and he prepared them. They were going to be the ones that started the church. They're going to be the ones that got the church rolling. Uh, in, in fact, we are a church today because Jesus had trained these 12 guys, Peter being one of them, to get the church on, 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 on track and, and get it started. Uh, and, and Peter not only was part of the 12, but, but among the 12, there, there appears that there were three guys that were, uh, that were kind of an inner circle. Um, James and John, the sons of thunder, sons of Zebedee, who were the cousins of Jesus, and then there was Peter. These three, when Jesus in Matthew chapter 17 went up on a mountain and was transfigured, he took with him James and John and Peter. Uh, earlier that night when they were, or later that night when they went to the garden and Jesus uh, went in to pray in the garden of Gethsemane, he took with him three guys to go a little bit further in with him, James and John and Peter. Now, now, we also know some of the things that Jesus had told, had told to Peter. In Matthew chapter 16, he, he asked Peter, he said, what, who do people say that I am? And, and, and Peter kind of threw out a couple uh, thoughts and things that were being said. And he said, Peter, who do you say that I am? And, and Peter replied, you are the Christ, the Son of God. And, and, and then Jesus said of him, well, you're, you're Peter, and on this rock, I'll build my church. Now, Jesus was using kind of a play on words there. He says, you are Peter, in Greek mean, is the word petros, which means boulder or stone. And he said, and on this rock, or, or this petra, which means like a rock cliff or, or bedrock, something like that, and on this rock, not Peter, but on the statement or, or on the fact that it was Jesus, uh, on the fact that he was the Christ, he was going to build his church. Peter, Peter was, a, was an important guy. We, we see in Acts chapter 2, that when the church started, the very first sermon that was preached was preached by Peter. He, he, was, he was one of the twelve. He was the inner circle, if you will, of the three. He was super close to Jesus. And he denied him. He said, I don't know who, you're, I don't know who he is. Well, you're one of his. I don't know what you're talking about. You're crazy. I, just because I'm Galilean, I'm not one of his followers. Now, now think about it for a second, just to get maybe a, an emotional connection to the story. Think about, uh, think about one of your friends. Uh, you, you probably have several friends. Maybe you have 
two or three that, that are super close. Maybe you have one friend that, that if I ask you who, would, who is your absolute best friend, you could name that person's name without, without a second thought. You've got friends that are close. What if, they, what if they turn their back on you? What if one of your closest friends stabbed you in the back? They denied you. Now, the truth is, and, and I apologize if, if this is the case, maybe some of you have been there before. Maybe, maybe you've had a close friend turn their back on you. Well, then you know what Jesus is talking about. You know the emotion. You know the tension that is involved in this story. It is a sto- a tragic story of betrayal, but it's also a beautiful story of, redre- of redemption. This story hits home with me because I'm, I'm Peter. I've had many opportunities to stand up for Jesus and claim my place as his follower, but instead... Uh, with my thoughts, with my actions, and maybe even with my words, I, I ultimately said, uh, I, I don't know him. Are, are you Peter? Uh, this story may be hard because it strikes a little bit close to home. Uh, Paul said in Romans 3.23 that we all will sin. We all fall short of the glory of God. In essence, we all turn our backs on him, and that's awkward. The, the one who laid down his life for me, I've denied. The one who went to the cross for me, I've denied. The one who took the penalty of my sin and my guilt, uh, I've denied. But there's hope in this story. Uh, look with me in, in uh, chapter 22, verses 31 and 32. I don't know if you caught it when I read it a little bit earlier. There, there's a glimmer of hope when when Jesus was predicting that he was going to deny him, he actually has a glimmer of hope there. I, I don't know if you caught it as I read. Verse 31, Simon, Simon, Satan has asked to sift you as wheat, but I prayed for you, Simon, that your faith may not fail. And, and I catch this. And when you have turned back, strengthen your brothers. Do, do you catch that? Do you see that? He said, Satan wants to sift you, and really it has that idea of crushing him, like taking wheat and crushing it into flour. Satan wants to crush you, but I pray that you won't fail. It seems like he did, but Jesus gives him this, this prediction, this, uh, this hope, uh, when you've turned back. Turning back when we've turned our back on Jesus is what we're going to look at today. Let me make a prediction, or maybe it's an observation. You, like Peter, me, like Peter, will, will turn our backs on him, but there's hope. Let's, let's look at three questions that come up from this passage. First of all, why? Why did Jesus, why did Jesus predict that he was going to fall? And, and even in that process of predicting that he was going to deny him, why, why did he throw out that little nugget? Why did he say, but when you turn back, Peter, you're going to turn back. So, but but why did he why, why did he say that? Um, let me give you the first uh, my, my first inclination. Uh, I don't know. I, I don't really know why he predicted that. But here's what I think it might have been. He predicted his failure so that Peter would remember his faith. There there was no more devastating moment in Peter's life than when the third time that he denied Jesus. He heard the rooster crow. Uh, do, you, do you remember what it said there, chapter 22, verses 60 uh, and 62? Peter replied, man, I don't know what you're talking about. Jesus, as he was, uh, 
Just as he was speaking, the rooster crowed. The Lord turned and looked straight at him. Then Peter remembered the word the Lord had spoken to him. Before the rooster crows, you'll deny me three times. Man, how devastating, how, how heart-wrenching for Peter when he heard that rooster crow. And, and I love how Luke, the other three Gospels don't include it, but Luke does. Luke, Luke says, and when that happened, the Lord turned and looked at him. What did he see in Jesus' eyes? Did he see disappointment? Yeah, maybe. Did he see hurt? Yeah, possibly. Did, did he see that sense of betrayal on Jesus' face when he turned and looked at Peter? Certainly had every right to. But, but I wonder, and maybe that's what it was, but I wonder when he turned and saw Jesus if he didn't see understanding, if he didn't see forgiveness, if he didn't see infinite, infinite, empathy on the face of Jesus. But, but we know what Peter did. It says he, uh, he turned and fled and went out and wept bitterly. Why did Jesus tell him, Peter, you're going to deny me? When you hear that rooster crow, it's going to come rushing back. You're going to remember my words. And, and to top it off, I'm going to look at you. So in case you did forget, why did Jesus do that? I, I think it's so he'd remember his faith. It was at this moment that that was a moment of crisis for Peter. What do I do now? I've just realized that I've denied my Savior. I've, I've turned my back on him. Remember what happened with Judas? After Judas had betrayed Jesus and, and they arrested him. Now, there's lots of theories on what was going on in Judas' Judas's mind. Some people believe that, that when Judas betrayed him, he was really just trying to push Jesus into his kingdom. If I betray him and get the authorities to arrest him, then Jesus is going to show his power and he's going to, he's going to take over and I'm just kind of helping grease the wheels a little bit and get things going. And, and that's why when Jesus was actually arrested that Judas wept so bitterly and threw the, the money back at the, the religious leaders and went out and hung himself. He, he, he was upset as well. Peter left and he cried bitterly. It was at this moment that I think he remembered the words of Jesus. And when you turn back, when you come back, now we, we have the benefit of reading this story actually knowing the rest of the story. I mentioned earlier that uh, that Peter was the uh, the first gospel preacher. He preached the first gospel sermon. Let, let me share with you just a couple things that Peter said. Acts chapter 2, starting with verse 14, it says, Then Peter stood up with the eleven, raised his voice and addressed the crowd, Fellow Jews and all who live in Jerusalem, let me explain this to you. Listen carefully to what I say. We see over in uh, in Acts chapter 3, starting with verse 11, it says, While the beggar held on to Peter and John, all the people were astonished and came running to them in the place called Solomon's Colonnade. Peter had just, had just healed a guy. When Peter saw this, he said to the men of Israel, Why does this surprise you? And he began to preach to them again. Over in chapter 4, verses 8 through 12, Peter had uh, uh, and John had just been uh, been arrested. And he says there, Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, Rulers and elders of the uh, of the people, If we are being called to account today for an act of kindness shown to a cripple, and we are asked how he is healed, then know this, you uh, and all the people of Israel, it is by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, but God raised from the dead. 
that this man stands before you. Peter, we know from the story, became then the, the preacher of the gospel. Does that sound like someone who has turned his back or someone who has turned back? Why? So he remember his faith. He predicted his failure so he would remember his faith. I, I think it also happened so that he would speak to our weakness. Uh, speak to the weakness that was in, in Peter's life as well as ours. See, there's a couple of things that Peter needed to overcome before he could ever be this preacher that Jesus wanted him to be. Uh, Peter had to overcome his pride. Man, Peter had a lot of pride in himself. We know from this text in verse 33 of Luke 22, Jesus had, had, had said what's going to happen. He said, Lord, I'm ready to go with you to prison and to death. Peter was very proud of himself. That's all that Luke says, but I have a feeling that Peter said more than that. I have a feeling that, it, and he was talking about it when he said, hey, I'm ready to die for you. I, I, I just got this feeling that Peter might have looked over and said, you know, Matthew, he might turn his back on you, Jesus, but I won't. Now, I know James and John are your cousins, Jesus, but but I won't deny you. I think they might. See, see, Peter had a lot of pride. Oh, over in Matthew chapter 16, after Jesus had said, you're Peter, and on this rock I'll build my church, uh, Jesus then predicted that he was going to go to Jerusalem and die. And, and this is what, what, what happens then. Peter took him aside in verse 22, took him aside and began to rebuke him. Never, Lord, he said, this will never happen to you. And, and that's the passage we know when Jesus said, get behind me, Satan. One moment he's saying, I'm going to build the church on the statement you made. The second one, he's saying, get behind me, Satan. Peter had a lot of pride and Peter had a lot of doubt. A lot of doubt in himself and a lot of doubt actually in his faith. See, the Lord's always going to challenge us. The, the, the Spirit is always going to convict us in the areas that we need change. Why? I, I, I think he called Peter to this challenging moment. When you deny me, you, you, you've got to make a decision. You're going to follow, you're going to come back, or are you going to or are you going to do something different? What now? Peter was faced with this moment. He had just turned his back on the Lord. What now? Turn back? What do you do when you turn your back? Jesus said, you're going to come back to me. But he could have ran. He could have turned his back and just taken off. Judas had done that. Others had done that. He could have run. Peter could have ran back to what he knew the best. He could have gone back to Galilee, to the fishing nets and the fishing boats. He could have gone back to the life that he knew that he was comfortable with. He could have gone where no one would have asked him questions. No one would have would have expected anything for him from him. He could have just said, you know what, the last three years, I'm going to forget that, and I'm going to do something. I'm going to go back to the nets and to the, the Sea of Galilee. I know that it's comfortable. Isn't that what we do sometimes? We 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 let the Lord down. We we turn our back on Him, and the easiest thing to do is to go running to what we know best, run to where we've been before, run to what's comfortable, run to what doesn't challenge us, run to what's easy. Amy Grant, a, a Christian artist, tells this story about a time in her life. She was going through a several years ago, going through a very uh, uh, very difficult time. She. She had some very public uh, failures, and, and and within the Christian world, particularly in the Christian music world, her failures were wide out in the open, and she was being talked about 
a considerable amount. And and she she contemplated the thought of going to Europe. She thought, if I, I can just go to Europe where no one knows me, I can have some time there away from all this pressure. And, and she had talked to her sister about it, but, but it was the words of her sister that snapped her back into reality. Because this is what her sister said to her, Amy, that's fine. Move to Europe. But before you do, do this. Explain to your niece, my daughter, my, my daughter who loves you, who idolizes you, who believes in you. Explain to her how you can sing about how Jesus can be there for you in your need. Explain to her how you can sing about trusting Jesus and not, and yet not being able to do it yourself. See, Peter could have ran. I let him down. Let me just forget about it. I'm going to run away. Peter could have lived in regret. You know he had to as he, as he, as he ran away and, uh, and wept bitterly. You know that, that his heart was breaking. He, he could have easily just lived in that sense of regret. Man, I am the one who denied him. Jesus, Jesus predicted it and I did it. Even when I said I wasn't going to. See, what, what defines us? I, I think sometimes this is where as believers we struggle. We often live in regret of what we've done. We know what scripture says. We know the, the Bible says that, that he's taken our sin and and, and made it uh, from uh, made it uh, from crimson to, to white as snow. We we know what it says that he's taken our sin and cast it as far as the east is from the west, and and yet we continue to to walk with regret of our failures, of our shames, of our hurt. Instead of being defined by forgiveness, we oftentimes let ourselves be defined by our our failures. I'll be honest; that hits very close. At home for me, Satan brings up to me almost daily and reminds me that I have regrets, that that I have pain, that I have shame. It reminds me daily of my failures. But Jesus went to the cross so that Peter wouldn't be defined by his failure, but instead would be defined by his faith. If you're here this morning, and when you look back at your walk with the Lord, you look back at your past, and, and all you see are the failures, and all you see are the times you let God down. All you see are the times that you let your yourself or your family, your wife or your kids. We can live in regret. We can live with our failure. Or, or we can simply turn it over to faith and realize that God has it in control. Uh, in in your, your notes this morning, there's a quote from Corey Tinboom. She says this, Jesus buries our sin in the deepest part of the ocean. Then he puts up a sign, no fishing. So that's what he does with our sin. If he takes our failures and he takes our disappointments and he takes our regrets and he buries them through the power of his cross and the power of his blood, then why do we live with regrets? Why do we let them define us? See, Peter wasn't defined by his failure. He was defined ultimately by his faith. And see, ultimately we have that option. We can return. When you return, 
Jesus said to him. I like that. Just getting ready to tell him, man, you are going to blow it big time. Everyone's going to know this story, Peter. Everyone's going to remember this story about you. Every Easter, we're going to talk about that roast. Why do I keep saying roaster? That rooster crowing. Every time we're going to, why don't you say dog barking? I can say that a lot easier. Every time we talk at Easter, we're going to mention how, how you did not, Peter, you're going to be known for that. And, and yet he said, but when you return, Peter, you're going to come back. Peter, I'm going to use you. See, Peter was seen by Jesus not just for what he was going to do, some of his failures. He also saw his potential. He saw what, he could, be, what could be done through him. And, and finally, one last question. It's really a simple one. Will you? Will you? It's, we're not all that different than Peter. Now, now, maybe our failures aren't quite as, for some of us, maybe they're not quite as out in the open like Peter's. Maybe for some of us they are. Some of my failures are. Maybe they're, they're not quite so public. Maybe, maybe everyone doesn't know, but you know what you've done. You know the pain. You know the heartache. Uh, will you? Will you, like Peter, Will you return? We, we sometimes make it so difficult. Uh, we, we make it so hard. <laughs> Jesus simply said, I, I went to the cross. I, I paid the penalty. I, I, I paid the debt. I've covered all your sin. All the pain that you caused me. I, I'm, I'm taking care of that. It's so simple, and yet we make it so, so hard. I, uh, uh, back in October, I flew to uh, El Paso to take the pictures for the operation in Napa that, uh, that, that we're taking part in. And, and they gave me some peanuts. Now, I remember the days where they gave you bags that had more than five peanuts in it. But, uh, uh, but they gave me a bag of peanuts. And, 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 and I like the, I love these peanuts, and especially if they give me a couple of them. But these are hard to open sometimes. I mean, and, and I remember the lady handing it to me and she handed me these in a bag of pretzels and I got the pretzels right open. Then I started trying to open these, these, these peanuts. Now I, I could, you know, if I ripped really hard, but I, I don't want to open them and then have my five peanuts go flying through the, the aircraft. So I'm, I'm working really hard on these. And, and I traveled with a guy named Bob. Bob, uh, actually he took care of the Air Force, uh, Air Fair Force that day because he flies all the time and has all these miles. And I looked over to Bob and he took his, his little thing of peanuts, and he kind of looked around it a little bit, and then he turned it, and he got right a hold of one little corner. See, one little corner was already cut, and then all he had to do was that. Travis, you like peanuts? There you go. Enjoy. You can share it with two of your friends right there. <laughs> Boy, it's so easy. <laughs> like, oh, wow. That place is cut. It just peeled right open. We we make it so hard sometimes when when Jesus makes it easy. I, I mentioned at the start my daughter Crystal. I just told her, I just told her, be careful. The roads are going to be slick. And she wrecked her car. She stepped out of the door, and, and I'll I'll be honest. I so badly wanted to say, I told you. 
If you'd only listen to me, Crystal, I said the road, you wrecked your car. We don't have full coverage. We're going to have to pay for that, that damn, and I think we did because I knew how she drove. So maybe we did have full coverage. But I told you the roads were slick. I so badly wanted to say that. But you know what I did? One, one of my victories in parenting, one of my few victories in parenting, you know what I did? I wrapped my arms around her and I let her cry on my shoulder. And I waited a couple months before I told her. I told you so. <laughs> I said, it's okay. I've got this. The car's fixable. You're okay. Everything's good. Turning back when we've turned our back. There's one of us here today that's not turned our back on the Lord. Maybe you're here today and you're, your pain is really strong. You're... You're like, yeah, Tim, you don't know my story. You, you don't know what I've done. You don't know what I've said. You don't know, you don't know the number of times. Eh, well, maybe I don't, but the Lord does. And your story is nothing new to Him. In fact, it's probably not even new to this church. We, we, we have similar stories probably. The, the reality is, no, no matter how you've turned your back on Him, you can turn back. Peter denied Jesus denied that he knew him right as he was going to the cross, right as he was being tried. And yet Jesus had already said to him, when you return. Would you bow with me in prayer? Father, thank you today for the promise that we have that we can come back. We know that it's not through our efforts or or our goodness or our holiness but, Father, through uh, the work of the cross, through what you've done through Jesus. Father, speak to the heart of the one here today that's living in regret, that feels like their life is defined by, by failure and by pain. Father, speak to them what you spoke to Peter. But when you return, let them see the hope and the promise that there's forgiveness. Father, help us define ourselves not by our failure, but instead by the faith that we have in you, in Jesus' name. If you're here this morning and you need to make a decision, if you're here today and, and you're living in regret, when you define yourself, if you're kind of like Peter when he, when he first left and, and was, was overcome with emotion and, and pain and sorrow and discouragement, uh, if you're there this morning, we'd invite you to come and find forgiveness at the foot of the cross. Find forgiveness in simply saying, Lord, you've got this. I'm going to let you take it. Uh, I can't, but you can. Be defined today not by what you've done in the past wrong, but what Jesus has done in your life right.